Good evening. My name's Anthony Stander and I pastor a church called Living Waters Community Fellowship in Tableview in Cape Town. And uh, we are showing online services at the moment. If you'd like to join us on our Facebook page uh, on Sundays at 10 and on Wednesdays at um, 7 o'clock. I'd like to share with you a message today called The Lord Reigns. And our opening scripture is Psalm 96 verse 10. Say amongst the nation, the Lord reigns. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved and he shall judge the people righteously. The Lord reigns. King Uzziah, who lived in about 739 years before Christ, was a great and a fine king, although he made a mistake and sinned seriously. He reigned for 52 years and his people prospered and grew strong. He was the king that it was said of in the scriptures that he was marvelously helped by God. When he died, it shook Judah because people feared who would be king now. You know, they'd lived under a godly king for 52 years. Things had gone well. It had, uh, the nation had prospered. Uh, uh, everything was going right. And now this king had died and the people feared who would be king now, what was to come now. Knowing the history of the kings of Judah and of Israel, most of the kings were evil. And the people knew that and they were like really worried about what was going to happen now. During the reign of King Uzziah, Isaiah the prophet uh, lived during his reign and loved Uzziah very much. And when the king died, he wrote uh, in Isaiah 6 verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. A great human king had died, and the future of the country looked bleak. But Isaiah saw in the vision that the real king, God, was still on the throne, no matter what happened on earth. And no matter what happens on earth or who our rulers are, we can say with Isaiah, I see the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. The king was dead, the earthly king was dead, but God was still in control. God says of himself that he's a great king. In Malachi 1.14, the second part, it says, For I am a great king, the Lord says of himself says the Lord of hosts, for I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful amongst the heathen. Imagine having that name. God says, my name is dreadful amongst the heathen. They fear me. The great commentator Matthew Henry says, to reverence God and to stand in awe of him. This is the great duty of natural religion. God is great and infinitely above us, just and holy and provoked against us. And therefore we ought to fear him and tremble before him. Yet he is our Lord and Master, and we are bound to serve him, our friend and benefactor. And we have reason to rejoice in him. And these are very well consistent with each other. For, number one, we must serve God in all ordinances of worship and in all instances of a godly conversation but with a holy fear, a jealousy over ourselves and a reverence of him. Even king themselves whom others serve and fear must serve and fear God. There is the same indefinite distance between them and God that there is between the poorest of their subjects and him. 2. Matthew Henry says we must rejoice in God and in subordination to him we may rejoice in other things but still with a holy trembling 
as those that know what a glorious and jealous God he is, whose eyes always upon us, and our salvation must be worked out with fear and trembling. End of Matthew Henry's quote. The God of heaven rules and reigns over all the earth and the universe. And here we catch a glimpse of God in heaven in Daniel 7 verse 9. From verse 9. Which says, I watched till thrones were put in place and the ancients of days were seated. His garment was white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. And his throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. Can you imagine this vision of God that, that Daniel saw? Verse 10, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands, thousands ministered to him. Ten thousands times ten thousands stood before him. The courts were seated and the books were opened. I was watching in the nice visions in Daniel 7.13 and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days and they brought him near before him. And then to him speaking about Jesus, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. We sing that great song and part of that great hymn, O worship the King all glorious above, O gratefully sing his power and his love. Our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. O tell of his might, O sing of his grace, whose robe is the light, whose canopy space. His chariots are wrath, the deep thunderclouds form, and dark is his path on the wings of the storm. I'm sure they got that from Psalm 18, where the young warrior King David says, and, and says of God from verse 4, the pangs of death surrounded me and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. I often say if you are afraid or uh, you know that you feel like you're going to die or, or the sorrows of hell are surrounding you, the same happened with David, who was a great king and a great warrior king. He felt that himself. Verse 4, the pangs of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. Verse 5, the sorrows of Sheol surrounded me and the snares of death confronted me. Maybe you're feeling like that, but David felt like that. You know, the old men of the Old Testament and New Testament, all Christians sometimes feel surrounded by the forces of hell. Verse 6, in my distress I called upon the Lord. What are we to do in our distress? Call upon the Lord with our whole heart. And it says in the scripture, and cried out to my God. It means he shouted out to God. He called with everything in his heart to God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry came before him even to his ears. Verse 7, Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundation of the hills also quaked and was shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub, which is a type of angel, and flew. He flew upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him his thick clouds passed with hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord thundered from heaven and the Most High uttered his voice. Hailstones and coals of fire. In verse 14 David says, He sent out his arrows and scattered the foe, lightning in abundance, and he vanquished them. 
That's what David saw when he cried out with his whole heart to the Lord, that God answered him with great power and might. And I think the guy who wrote that hymn must have caught some of that in his hymn. Matthew Henry says, The Lord reigns gloriously. He is clothed with majesty. In other words, his clothes are majestic and absolutely incredible. The majesty of earthly, earthly princes compared with God's terrible majesty is but like the glimmerings of a glowworm compared with the brightness of the sun when he goes forth in its strength. Are the enemies of God's kingdom great and formidable? Yes, they might look like that to us. Yet let us not fear them, for God's majesty will totally eclipse those. He reigns powerfully. God reigns powerfully. He's not only clothed with majesty as a prince in his court, but he's clothed with strength as a general in the camp. He has withal to, he has withal to support his greatness and to make it truly formidable. See him not only clad in robes, but clad in armor. Both strength and honor are his clothing. He, God, can do everything, and with him, nothing is impossible. With this power, he has girded himself, he has clothed himself. It is not derived from any other, nor does the executing of it depend upon any other. But he has it of himself, and with it does whatever he pleases. Let us not fear the power of man which is borrowed and bounded, but fear him who has the power to cast, to kill and to cast into hell. The end of Matthew Henry. Speech. God reigns over the past and the present and the future. Psalm 93 verse 2. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. In the past history of the human race, Genghis Khan's hordes swept across Asia, killing millions of people. But where is he now? Dead. And no one even knows where his grave is. Hitler's armies marched, millions of people died. But where is he now? They cannot even find a grave. The Vikings, the great warriors, Vikings, warred and destroyed England and Europe. But what happened to the Vikings? They became Christians. God still intervenes in the affairs of men at his will. When he says it is enough, it is enough. The Greek Empire fell under Alexander the Great, having conquered most of the known world. Rome fell, having conquered most of the known world. Britain's Empire fell. The Nazi Empire fell. Russian Communism fell. Who would have believed that in our life for us to have lived through fighting the Cold War on our borders and the Cold War in the world? For us to have seen Russia fall in our days was something absolutely incredible. When the King of the Universe says no more, it is no more. Even in our country, when God said it is enough, it will be enough. And then he will intervene. God reigns above. He says in Psalm 2 verse 1, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. ISIS has fallen. When God said it was enough, the ungodly governments that persecute Christians have fallen and those that are still persecuting Christians will fall because our God reigns. When God says it's enough, it's enough. 
Listen to this, 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name, what are we called? Christians. We are Jesus Christ. We are called by Christ's name. My people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Notice God calls us to humble ourselves. We see a lot of people praying and repenting, but then they don't turn from their wicked ways. Then they go back to kicking the cat, getting drunk, you know what I mean, swearing at the wife and carrying on. We have a lot of people doing visible repentance in this country, but their personal lives stink. We have to listen to God's word. Those people in my name will humble themselves, that we get down on our knees, pray, seek God's face, and turn from our wicked ways. So we, we, we change our lives. We listen to God's word. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. God's word is always true. If this is not coming to pass in our own land, we need to look at our own personal lives and say, what are we doing wrong that this scripture is not coming true at this time? What are we Christians doing that that's not right? We need to look to ourselves for God's word is unchangeable and unbreakable and nothing can turn it to the left or to the right. So we need to do true repentance maybe in this country in our own lives and look at what we, how we're living our day-to-day lives. The Lord reigns over the present too. So the Lord will intervene in the affairs of men if his people will humble themselves, pray and turn from their wicked ways. God will change and can change the direction of a nation in one day if he wanted to. Our country's future does not lie in the hands of the unbeliever or the ANC or the DA. It is in our hands, the believer's hands, because God's word says so. And God's word is eternal and unbreakable. And because the Lord still reigns in heaven above, our God reigns. I love the scripture, Isaiah 33:22. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. The kingdoms of this world will fail us with corruption and theft and are busy doing so at the moment and with great incompetence. But we belong to another kingdom which is higher than all these kingdoms. And we can go above the heads of all earth's kingdoms and lay our cause at, the, at God's feet. And we will be heard and saved because God is our judge, our Lord giver and our king. Jesus said to the earthly kingdom of Rome, which ruled the world at his time. John 18.36 Jesus answered and said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate instantly understood that Jesus was not a threat to Rome, but was talking about an unseen kingdom, a kingdom that he couldn't see or understand. We belong to the same kingdom that Jesus was talking about, where all power and authority belongs to Christ who bought us with his blood. Jesus Christ, by the power of God's kingdom, healed the sick, the blind were able to see, he walked on water, rebuked the storm and raised the dead. Caesar thought he reigned, but he didn't understand that God, it is our God who reigns. Even when they crucified our Lord, 
Pilate was so impacted by Jesus and the presence of Christ and standing there in his presence that he nailed a sign to the cross, the King of the Jews. He thought, this guy looks like a real king. I'm sure he thought in his heart, I would have liked to have served such a king. As Justin Martyr said, even though the Lord was crucified on a cross, he said the Lord still reigned from the tree. He was still ruler on that tree. Our God reigns. Because our God is an awesome and often terrifying God, we have an advocate in heaven, Jesus Christ, who pleads our cause before the very face of God the Father, who is so powerful and mighty that his feet rest on the, on the earth. Acts 7.49 Heaven is my throne, God says, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? <laughs> Can you imagine the size of God the Father? Where the earth, he puts his feet on the earth and he rests with his arms in heaven, take up all the space in heaven. Incredible sight. We are so fortunate that our God reigns. There are no gods like him. Can't even stand in in his shadow anywhere. Cannot equal him in anything. And most of them are not gods at all. We find ourselves to be nothing in the sight of God but a speck of dust in the universe. God asks Job, after Job had suffered greatly and lost almost everything and was very ill, God doesn't come and pamper him and wipe his tears away. He appears in a very powerful whirlwind. Job 38 verse 1 Then the Lord answered Job out the whirlwind and said to him, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? In other words, who's talking nonsense here on the earth? This little squeak on the earth from a speck of dust so small sitting here on the earth. Who has great and swelling words to say here on the earth? Job, Job 38.3 Now prepare yourself like a man and I will question you and you shall answer me. God saying, you're asking me a lot of questions. Now you stand up now and answer some questions. Verse 4 Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know, God said to Job. Or who stretched the line upon it? Or what were its foundations fastened? To what? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut up the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling bland. When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors for the sea, so it couldn't cross that. In verse 11, when I said this far you may come but no further and here your proud waves must stop. And in verse 31, God says to him, can you bind the sweet influences of the star constellation Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? God could hold those constellations in the palm of his hand. Can you loose the bands of Orion, that magnificent constellation which makes such a great figure and ungreatly, and dispenses rough and unpleasing influences which you cannot control nor repel? God was saying to him, can you control Orion, that star constellation that causes huge hurricanes and the seas and the roaring seas on the ocean, and just by a slight change in course can turn the earth absolutely upside down? God said to him, can you control that? Both summer and winter will have their course. 
God can change him when he pleases, can make the spring cold and so bind the sweet influences of Pleiades and the winter warm and so loose the bands of Orion. But we cannot. And we cannot because the Lord reigns. He's the one who sits on the throne. He's the one, the ruler of the whole universe. And if there's evil in the world, it's only because God allows it that he can reach one or two more people before the great damn wall of God's wrath breaks upon this earth. And if you see nations uh, shaking their fist at God, it is but for a time before God moves in and, and does what God has to do. The Lord reigns over the future. We see the book of Daniel and Revelation speak of what shall come to pass. And we cannot prevent the future that God has laid out. God's will will be done on earth. Revelations 11.15 and the seven angels shouted and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. And we personally say we can't wait. Revelations 11:16. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which are, which were, and are to come, because you have taken to you your great power and you have reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come in the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou should give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to your saints, and them that fear your name, small and great, and should destroy them which destroy the earth. I think just looking at these scriptures, we can say, our God reigns. Everything in the universe knows that God reigns. The birds sing his praises, the fish of the sea shiver and tremble, the sea remains her no borders, the beasts of the field look for their food from him upon the throne, and the elements obey him instantly. The forests whisper his praises and the streams gurgle in pleasure, yet only man and demons disobey him. It's like little ants waving their fist at a man, and that's what we are like shaking our fists at God. But God still reigns. Psalm 2.11 we are warned. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son lest he be angry and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed all they who put their trust in him. The certain ruin we run if we refuse and reject Christ. Kiss the Son for it is at your peril that you do not we are warned. Men kiss idols but God commands us to kiss his Son. Look to him all the earth to be saved or perish in terrifying judgment for our Lord reigns. When a man gets saved he must accept the Lord Jesus as Lord of his life. As we come into his presence we must bow and surrender our lives to his Lordship so that the with the universe we can say our God reigns not only in the worlds around us but over us personally. Psalm 96 verse 1 O sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name, show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory amongst the heathen, his wonders amongst all the people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised, for he is to be feared above all gods. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, our battlefield commander, our hope in times of trouble, our comfort in the storm, and our leader in absolutely everything. It, we read in Revelations 1 verse 9 where John, the disciple who loved Christ, put his head on his uh, shoulders and was a, John was a real love bunny. 
But John loved Christ in a way, in a very special way. And John saw the risen Christ, a vision of him, sitting uh, where Christ is now, sitting on the right hand of God. And Revelations 1 verse 9 says, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And the middle of the seven lampstands, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. So John is seeing a revelation of who Jesus Christ is now. You know, we see so many pictures of Christ and he's walking around in a robe and he's handing out fishes and he's got a golden little halo around his head and a sad look on his face. But this is not who John is seeing now, our risen Christ. His head, verse 14, his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. Remember Daniel's vision. And his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass as if refined in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in his strength. And when I saw him, John said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. This is the risen Christ. This is the, the, when we call on the name of Jesus, this is who the demons see and flee. This is Christ in his risen power and all his glory, standing there on, on the right hand of God at the moment. This is our Lord. Jesus Christ is our Lord and God and he's to be obeyed in all aspects of our life. We are to surrender our dreams, our wealth, our hearts, our work, our children, our family to his lordship or we may not be saved at all. For we are commanded in Romans 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. It doesn't say if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's two different things. Many people can confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you meet them in the street, you say, do you believe Jesus Christ is Lord? They'll say, yes, Ah, oh, Jesus Christ, we know he's Lord. But it has no impact on their own personal life whatsoever. They know that. In fact, demons know that, uh, that the Lord Jesus is God and they tremble. But the scripture says, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus. In other words, that Jesus is Lord of everything that you, that you own, have and do. That he's your Lord. That he rules and reigns in our throne of our lives. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will find your Christianity is most miserable. If you just believe that Jesus is sitting there in heaven and that he died for us and that's all you believe and you continue to live your life as normal. For the Christ must be Lord of your life. And if you are like that and you find your prayers aren't answered, you go nowhere, you don't feel close to God, the word of God has no power in your life, friend, maybe Jesus isn't Lord of your life. And you need to surrender yourself to Christ. That means he is now our battlefield commander. He, we do what he tells us to do. His word becomes a lamp to our feet. We obey it instantly and to the best of our ability at all times. 
And when we walk like that, then we are truly uh, servants of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read that scripture again. Romans 10 verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth before angels and demons and humans on this earth, the Lord Jesus, that Jesus Christ is Lord of you, not only Lord of the universe, Lord of you, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For Verse 10, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We serve a great God, and we must be able to say, even in our own lives, our God reigns. He reigns over me too, in everything I do and think. And God reigns over me in Jesus' name. And I'm just going to pray for you now as we come to a close of this message. And maybe you have not understood that. Maybe you have not understood that Christ must be Lord of your life if you want to be saved. That that factor must be number one in your life. So if you want to just close your eyes and pray with me, I'd like to pray with you a, a prayer. And if you, I've met a lot of Christians that are going through great difficulty. And when I talk to them about this, this is the problem in their lives. They haven't surrendered their lives to Christ. They've, they've just in their minds, they've believed in Jesus dying for them. Friend, if you do what the word of God says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's do that now. Close your eyes. Father God, Lord, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ. I confess, Lord, that I am a sinner and have sinned and come short of your glory. I ask forgiveness for your sins. Lord, I pray that you wash me clean. I thank you that Jesus Christ died for me, Lord, in my place, that he was punished instead of me. I thank you so much for that, Lord. Lord, I make the Lord Jesus Christ, I accept the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Master of my life. I surrender everything to him, my dreams, my visions, my hopes, my weaknesses, my debts, my troubles that I've had, Lord. We surrender it all to you, Lord. And we put it at, at, the, at your feet. We surrender everything to you. And we ask that you would rule and reign over us, over me in, as an individual as well, Lord. We want to confess, Lord, that our God reigns, Lord. So we commit our lives to you, our hearts to you, our, everything that we have to you now, in Jesus' name. And I thank you, your word says in Romans 10 verse 9, if we do these things, we will be saved. So we place it in your trust now, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and may the Lord help you and strengthen you in your walk and may you be filled with the blessings of God this week in Jesus' name. Amen.